0: Good morning. I've been gone for 2 weeks. I'm ready. I hope I hope you're ready. I'm getting ready to go to camp today. I've got like adrenaline and caffeine and some pills somebody gave me and they said you're going to need these. I took half the bottle. I'm ready, friends. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. We're in the middle of a series called Fixer Upper. My name's Weston, if you're visiting with us, I'm so glad that you're here. Last week, Dana did a great job kicking off our series. Um, if, if you enjoyed last week and you want to say thanks to Dana, let's, let's, let's yeah. <laughs> Dana's family, I think, hey, there you are. You can tell them that uh, like 90% of everybody really appreciated his message last week. Um, so today we continue this series and here we are in it. And I've got a question. How many of you, if you've seen Fixer Upper, how many of you know what Chip Gaines's favorite day is? Demo, I heard it. Demo day. That's it. Yeah. Demo day is like awesome. If you've ever gotten to tear something up, you know how satisfying it can be. This is why people make money having a beat-down car at a carnival, and they charge you to hit it with a sledgehammer. There's just something therapeutic about tearing stuff up. Now, Jenny and I, we've had a few uh, different houses, uh, their projects. Here's my theory. You you buy a new house. Uh, Either way, you either buy it new all up front, or you replace it a piece at a time and we've done the replace it a piece at a time a few times and and there's something really therapeutic about tearing things up i remember uh, we were tearing up a linoleum floor that i thought this is just a linoleum floor but there was another linoleum floor under that and then under that linoleum floor there was a sheet of plywood and under that sheet of plywood there was another linoleum floor another linoleum floor, and then there was some subfloor, or then there was that plywood, and then you got to the subfloor. And, you know, that made sense why that part of the house was a little bit taller than every other part of the house. And we wanted to put tile on it, so, you know, we didn't want like a like an inch step, we needed to tear it out. Now, that's fun. You get to fire up the saw. You get to start cutting things into squares and prying, and I love that. I totally love that, but but here's what happens when you start tearing things out. You know, what used to be sort of a neat, orderly floor is now in a thousand pieces, because just because you cut it into squares and you pried it up in a square didn't mean it came out as a square. You know what I'm saying? Some of times it did, and it looked like one of those like bed of nails things, where it's like you could probably lay on it if you had the time and the patience and all of your tetanus shots. Um, but but then there was other times it'd come out a piece at a time, it, it'd come out in splinters, and and sometimes nails would get stuck. And once you finally got all that pulled up, what was a floor is now a, a dumpster worth of trash, and it's kind of disheartening. It's fun to tear it up. Like if you could tear things up and somebody comes in behind you and you'd be like, clean this up, that'd be really great. But normally when you're going to do the demo day, you've got to tear it up and then you've got to clean it up. And the bigger the change you're going to make, the bigger the mess, the harder you're going to have to work. And it's not just true in houses. It's true in our personal lives as well. The bigger the change... The more work there is to do. That's just a simple truth for you. And, and, and I really want you to let that sink in. I, I know this sounds like, oh, you're not telling me anything I don't know. I, I get that. But 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 internalize that. Really, really, really think on that for a second. The bigger the change, the more work there is to do. Because so often we get started in our lives and we're like, man, I'm gonna make some changes. You know, this, this always kind of makes me sad and makes me want to laugh all at the same time. Um, people will say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this change in my life. You know, it, it could be whatever, whatever change you came in here this morning, you're hoping you're going to make. Whether it's you're going to lose some weight, you're going to stop looking at pornography, you're going to stop drinking, you're going to be nicer to people, you're going to have a, a better attitude. You know, whatever it is, the change you're going to make, you've probably been working on the bad behavior for like 10, 20, 30 years, and you're like, you know, I'm going to do this for like a week, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be better. You know, I, I'm going to go on a diet for a week, and I'm going to lose all my weight. No, you, you spent 20 years getting to the place you are. You're not going to fix that in seven days. The, the, the more the change, the harder the work. And, and that's how it is. And sometimes as we get looking at all the stuff we've tore up and, and pulled out and moved around, we get really frustrated because we think, gosh... I'm just surrounded by a mess. Nehemiah, we're we're going through this little book in the Old Testament that talks about this guy, Nehemiah, who comes to to Jerusalem when it is in a state of total disrepair. The city is an entire city of fixer-upper. It's it's Detroit, okay? That's what this is. They're going to fix up the whole city. And Nehemiah says, we're going to start with a wall. And they get going into it, and they get a lot of people, they all buy in. But then here's what happens. Chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. It says, there is too much rubbish, garbage, rubble. You put the word in there. There's too much mess. We are unable to work on the wall. Have you been there? Have you been at that spot where you started tearing things up and moving things around and you started getting into it and you started to realize, oh my goodness, there's just too much mess. I don't know if I can handle it. Have you ever had a project so big that you didn't know where to start? Uh, You know, it's probably a blessing that we don't have a garage at our house because we, like probably most people, I won't ask for a show of hands because you're trying not to lie, you're in church. Uh, most people, your garage is a big mess. Mine was no exception, but periodically it would get to that level where it was like we have to do something about it. And I would just go stand out there often and would just look at it. And I'd just stand in the middle and I'd stare at it. And Jenny would want to know, what are, what are you doing out there? I said, I, I just, I'm assessing the situation. She said, you don't where to get started, do you? I said, no, I, I really don't. She said, why don't you start here and go clockwise? she's real methodical. This is good advice. And so I would, I would start there and I'd work my way around, but you got to pick someplace, right? You got to pick something and start on it. Or maybe you've started a project and maybe you've been in this spot where you get into a project and then you realize, man, I'm in way over my head. How did I get here? back to my floor. So we had cut things out, tore things out, beat nails back into submission, back into the the floor. We were getting to a place where I thought we might be able to lay some floor. But then it dawned on me that we couldn't get a little right angle piece cut out underneath the cupboards. Under the the cupboard, you know, it's got the little toe kick thing, and then underneath there, there's floor, and you want to take your floor all the way into the cupboard. But I didn't have a saw I could get in there So I went to the experts at the hardware store, the people that sell things like at Lowe's and Home Depot, and I said, hey, listen, this is what I really need. I need a cut underneath the cabinet. And the guy said, you need like a right angle saw. Perfect. That's what I need. And he said, well, I've got a blade for a right angle saw, but they stopped making the right angle saw so I could give you a blade. Perfect. So what are we going to do with that? I, I don't know, but I got the blade, but I don't have a saw. All right, well, What else do we have that we could maybe get underneath there? And we thought about it, and we got a roto zip. This thing's amazing. It's a right angle. He said, I'm like, all right, so I can take this, and I can cut the wood. He's like, no, this cuts tile and metal, but not wood. Well, how are we going to fix this problem? He said, I don't know, but you've got this blade that fits another saw, and you've got this. Perfect. What am I going to do? He said, maybe you could get it tight enough that it would hold it. All right, brute force, that's all, what I don't have in knowledge I make up for in zeal. All right, let's give this a shot. So we get this tied up, get this together, and it does not work. So I go back, and he says, you probably need a bushing. Now, it looks just like a little metal washer. I didn't bring it because there's only two in the entire world. They were custom made for me and they're too valuable. If you want to buy one, I'll sell it to you. Um, And so he he said, you know, you could go to this tool shop, and they would actually machine a bushing for you that would go around the spindle of the saw and sit inside of the blade. Custom-made tool. I thought, man, this is awesome. So I go, like all of 50 cents. I mean, I think they were just enthralled at this guy that had showed up there with a blade that didn't fit a saw, and a saw that needed a blade and they just took pity on me, and they gave it to me. And you know what? The thing worked great. I could get in. I could cut it out. But, but that was the thing. I needed a little bit of help. I, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the resources. And a lot of times, you know, we have this attitude in America because we've got HGTV and YouTube. We think we can solve all of our problems ourselves. Guess what? Sometimes you need help. Sometimes it's beyond a blog post. Sometimes it's beyond YouTube. Sometimes it's beyond just sitting in here on a Sunday morning and you need some help. If that's you, I mean, that's why we're starting community groups. want to get you connected with some people. That's why we've got the care and support ministry. Sometimes you need to sit down with a counselor. We offer that. And that's something we, we just do. Because sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need a a little bit of encouragement because while, you know, Chip and Joanna, they can wrap up the entire fixer-upper in 60 minutes, life is not that neat. You know, you're going to make a change in your life. You're going to do something in your home. You're going to do something in your personal life. You're going to do something in your business. You're going to stop doing something. You're going to start doing something else. And you know what? You're going to need some help to do it. You know, it, it's interesting to me, looking, I, I'm not an expert in this, but there's it, a little bit I understand about how families work, just from studying and just spending time with families. I know that when one person makes a change in the family, it often means everybody in the family has got to make a change. And so while you might think it's your problem, whether it's your, your drinking problem or, or pornography or whatever it is, and you think, man, I'm going to deal with this issue, guess what, everybody in your family has probably come up with some way to deal with that. Uh, Psychologists have names for some of these people. They're peacemakers and they're rebels and they're they're mediators. And so when you change, guess what? Everybody in your family is going to have to change too. The bigger the problem, the bigger the change, the harder the work. And odds are you're going to need some help. You're going to need somebody to help you. You're going to need a special tool. Whether that's being in a community group or whether that's going to therapy, you're going to need probably something to help you get to where you want to be. Because the truth about change is this, is that we oppose it. Change will always be met by opposition. People don't naturally want to change. We, we all fight it. This is true in Nehemiah's time. It's, it's true in our time. You know, Anytime you want to do something different, there's going to be somebody that says, no, I, I think it's better the old way. You know, you get a new pair of shoes. They're not quite as comfortable as the old pair of shoes. But, you know, the new pair doesn't have holes in the bottom of them, so we're going to have to make a change. You know, whatever the change is, you're going to park on the right side of the driveway. Well, now all of a sudden, everybody's got to walk around your car in a different way, and, and everybody wants to know, why are you parking on the right side of the driveway? The left side is where you're supposed to park in the driveway. We fight change. Little change, big change, it's always met by opposition. Nehemiah found this out. In nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 through 2 says this sand heard we were rebuilding the wall in other words they're making a change and so what happened he burned with anger he became very upset he made fun of the jews he spoke to his friends in the army of samaria and he said what are those jews trying to do can they make their city wall like new again There will be people like Sandballot in your life that would prefer you weaker, that would prefer you more defeated, that would prefer you subdued and trapped inside of your addictions. That is just reality. There will be people that prefer the old you. And when you start to make a change, people will resist it. They might resist it openly the way that Sandballot did, they might resist, you know, what do you mean you're going to start going to church? What, what do you mean you're not going to go out with us again on Friday night? What, what do you mean you're not going to do those things? And they might resist you like that. Or they might be like some of Nehemiah's own people. Chapter 3, 5, you, you've got something more, we call this the passive-aggressive approach. It said some, some men from Tekoa repaired the next part of the wall, but their nobles refused to do any work at all. They didn't pay attention to the people who were in charge of the work. You know, the people from Tacoa, they said, you know, that's not for us. Yeah, that's fine that you're going to rebuild the wall. You know, we appreciate it. It'd be nice to get this place spruced up, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to work. We're not going to do it. You do it, we're going to go do something else. And you'll find that even though you want to be enthusiastic about your change, there will be people in your life, maybe they're close, maybe they're friends, maybe they're family, that are going to try to hold you back. There's going to be people that are going to not be your friends because you're not going to go out with them to do the things that you used to do. That's just how that's going to be. And they're going to resist it. They're going to oppose the change. And eventually, if you don't have somebody on your side, you're going to want to quit. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10 and following says this. It says, during that time, the people in Judah spoke up. They said the workers getting weaker and weaker all the time. Broken stones are piled up everywhere. They're in our way. We can't rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, we will be right there among them. We'll kill them. We'll put an end to their work. We'll do it before they even know it or see us. Nehemiah's people feel defeated. It feels like everybody's against them. Everybody's working against them. Some people on their side aren't even helping. And it'd be real easy for them to quit because the the bigger the change, the harder the work. Which is why you are going to need some help. You will need some help to change. Change is always carried out with a team. Nehemiah, he's doing an institutional, a national change. It's 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 the entire city. They're going to build a wall around the entire city. And so, guess what? It's going to take the entire city coming together to make this change. Now, you might not be rebuilding a wall or or building a wall or or doing anything on a national or even. You know, uh, citywide scale, but if you're doing something inside of you, you're still going to need some help. You're going to need some people to to, to help you. You're going to need some people to pray for you. You're going to need somebody a a couple steps ahead that can show you where you're trying to go. It'd be really great if you could have somebody alongside of you who could encourage you to keep going. And and you know what's awesome also is if you could have somebody that's kind of following you, and you know that if you quit, they're going to quit too somebody behind would be great. Just think about that for a second. I maybe write it down. Who are those who are those people you could call? Who are those people that when you say, "Man, I'm doing this change for whose face comes to your mind?" Is it yours? Is it your spouse's? Is it your kids? Is it somebody else? Who who is it that you're making this change for? Who is it that you can call in the middle of this? Who's ahead of you that's telling you where to go? Who's behind you saying, keep going because I'm following you? Who's alongside of you saying, we can do this together? If you can't come up with a name or two or three and you feel alone and disconnected, it's because you're alone and disconnected. But there's a way to fix that. It's, It's called showing up. It's, it's called becoming a part of it. It's called putting yourself out there. That's why we're starting community groups this week. It's because you need people. I need people the same as you need people. We need each other. That's just reality. We need each other to encourage each other in our faith and just showing up here on Sunday morning, you know, absorbing all of the nice, friendly, warm Jesus vibe that's here. I love it just the same as you do. But we need each other on a little more deep and personal level. You're gonna face opposition; people are gonna work against you. Sometimes that opposition is gonna grow as your success grows, which is why you need somebody by your side. Next thing you're gonna need is this: is a plan. Change is guided often by working a plan. Nehemiah's plan was pretty simple. Hey, all of you, help me. We're gonna rebuild the wall. How does that work? You pick up the rock that fell over, and you put it on the rock that's still there. And then when you're done with that, you go find another rock, and you put it on top of that rock, okay? And you're going to put rock on top of rock, stone on top of stone, until it gets tall enough that we can call it a wall. That's the plan. You got it? We got it. Now, sometimes your plan changes. You know, you get a plan, things are going along fine, and then something happens, and it derails you. Nehemiah faces people coming threatening their lives here's what he does Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 16 it says from that day on half my men did the work the other half were given spears shields bows and armor the officers stationed themselves behind all the people of Judah the people continued to build the wall though who who carried supplies did their work with one hand they held a weapon in the other hand each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked Nehemiah's plan was for everybody to use both their hands and work. But eventually and unfortunately, that plan had to change. Their lives were being threatened. So now you've got to do the work with one hand and keep your hand on a sword. That's how it's going to be. Now, Nehemiah could have quit and said, well, the plan didn't work. I I feel this sometimes. You know, you get your plan derailed and you're like, you know what? I said I was going to eat healthier today, but then they brought donuts in. All right. You know what would help me is a double bacon cheeseburger. You know, it's, I've already lost it today. I mean, I've already been derailed. There's no sense in not having a double bacon cheeseburger. We start the plan tomorrow, and then after you have that, you go, you know, a sunday That's what we really need. That would be great. And, we, you know, we haven't had pizza, the kind with the cheese in the crust. We need some of that tonight. I mean, I've already fallen off the wagon. We might as well go for it today. And then you're in trouble because the next morning somebody brings strudel in, and it's a vicious cycle because your plan keeps getting derailed. You're going to have to work the plan. See, people don't understand this about the plan. You don't work for the plan, the plan works for you. Okay? This is Nehemiah. If Nehemiah had said, Oh my gosh, the plan is we're all going to use both hands, you're going to build a wall, I, I, we're done. I guess I'm going to go back home. He said, oh, no, we're going to have to make the plan change, the plan's going to have to shift. That's how life is. Your path to the change you want to make is not going to be straight and, and downhill the entire time. It's going to veer right. It's going to go up the hill. You're going to fall off of a cliff once or twice. You're going to need people to help you. You're going to need a plan. You're going to have to make something practical. It's going to take time. Put it on your calendar. Put it in your phone. Do what it is you need to do to remind you about the plan that you're working for the change that you want to make. Friends, change is hard work. The bigger the change, the harder the work. And it's going to take a plan to make that happen. Uh, last point here I want to talk about this is that change is sustained by a commitment to something better than the present. You know, on that day when your plan gets derailed, you've got to realize you're not committed to your plan. You're committed to a goal. You're committed to the goal of change, of whatever that change is. And so I would say this be sold out. Be fully committed to the change that you need, whether it's in your family, in your business, whether it's it's the school and the grades you're trying to get. Be committed to that change. But be sold out first to God. Now, that's the thing Nehemiah had going for him. God was on his side. Because he had surrendered his plans to God. You know, it's real easy to kind of go through the book of Nehemiah and say, oh man, there's really great leadership lessons here. There's really great, you know, lessons about change. But if you read through the text of, of, of Nehemiah, you start in chapter 1, and you read all the way here to the end of chapter 4, which is where we've been today, you will see Nehemiah stop and pray. Sometimes that prayer is like an entire chapter. I mean, sometimes that prayer is like three paragraphs long. Sometimes that prayer is like a sentence. And sometimes you get the sense that Nehemiah is just saying, God, I'm really busy right now, but I need you to help me deal with with these people that's the prayer but you see nehemiah constantly praying 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 he's saying god i I need your help god i cannot get through this today god i'm not going to be able to do this without you if i need somebody on my side god it is you it reminds me a little bit of of, of the prayer that james reminds us to pray in james chapter 4 where he says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city So if any of you have plans, he's talking to you. If you've got plans to go to this or that city, we're going to spend a year there. We're going to buy and sell and make money. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know. He said, what's your life? It's a mist that appears for a while and then disappears. Instead, you should say, if it pleases the Lord, we will live and do this or that. Because, friends, it is God." ultimately who is the one who is sustaining and empowering our our commitment to change it it is through the work of jesus christ on the cross that we have the gift of the holy spirit for those who have surrendered their lives to jesus that empowers us to face that hard work because the bigger the change the harder the work and with jesus on your side i want you to know that he's not going to give up you might have given up on yourself You might have given up on yourself for about 10 times, and you said, You know, I'm never not going to give up on myself. Maybe not in those exact words, but maybe you said that, You know, I'm just going to stop trying. Philippians 2 6 is maybe my favorite verse in all of Scripture, where it says, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Friends, this verse reminds me to be patient because God is not finished with me. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with us. The change that he wants to do in your life, and you know what that change is, he's not going to give up until it's done. You might give up, but he's not going to give up. The change that he wants to do in our church, where he transforms this place into a place that that folks from everywhere feel welcomed, and they know that this is a place whether you believe in Jesus or not, to hear the amazing story about the hope of Jesus Christ, God isn't going to give up on us. Even if we give up on it, God isn't going to give up on us. He's going to be faithful to complete that work. I guess the real question we've got to ask is, what are we more afraid of? Are we more afraid of staying the same, or are we more afraid of changing? It, it made me think about this uh, story uh, about Disneyland in its, um, its uh, planning phase. So w- when Disneyland was being planned, and Walt Disney was going to make Disneyland You know, he was looking for different places to put this magic kingdom. And so he surveyed all of Southern California. They looked all over the place. And one of the places they looked at was Anaheim, which is where it is today. Another place they looked at was San Bernardino, California. And they thought about going there. And the city fathers of San Bernardino, they looked at the plans and they heard about this and they said, you know what? That sounds like work. That sounds like change. Not' like there's a lot of little kids running around, people with mouse ears. We're not interested. Thank you, Mr. Disney. Go build magic someplace else. And so he did. And here's the economic value of Disneyland. You ready for this: 4.7 billion dollars contributed to the local economy. 255 million dollars in taxes paid by Disney alone. That's Anaheim. That's why in Anaheim, less than 15% of the people live uh, at the poverty line or below. Whereas in San Bernardino, over 30% of the people, more than twice the people, live in poverty. Crime in Anaheim, it's less than the national average. Crime in San Bernardino, it is twice. It's much more than the national average. What's the difference? What can account for this? why is it that San Bernardino was the largest city to file for bankruptcy protection in 2012 until it was eclipsed by Detroit? It's because when they had the opportunity to make a change, they said, no, we don't want it. And friends, I think that in many ways that's how it is in our lives. You know that feeling. God's inviting you to make a change. You feel that in your heart. You you know it in your mind. Gosh, I, I ought to fill in the blank. You say that to yourself all the time. I really should do this. I should talk to that person. I should do this. I should stop doing that. And you feel it in your heart. It's like something's pulling you to that. And yet we say no to it all the time. Why? Because it's hard work. It is. The bigger the change, the harder the work. There is no doubt about that. But what is it that makes a beautiful fixer-upper? It's the mess that's at the beginning and the transformation it goes through. So guess what? We're at that mess phase. <laughs> All of us. The question is, are we going to allow God to do the work of transformation, of changing? Are we going to partner with Him in this remodel that He wants to do in our lives? If so, you've got to get some people together. Y- you've got to get a plan put together. And you got to say, you know what, I'm going to be committed to the change because I believe that God is not going to give up on me. I believe that God is going to finish the work that He starts. I want to pray for us this morning. Gracious Lord, I thank You so much for the way that You do not give up on us, for the way that You want to do amazing things in our lives. God, You are inviting every single man, woman, child, every single student in this room you are inviting every one of us to embark with you uh, on an incredible fixer-upper project in our lives, in our churches, in our schools, in our homes. And so, God, this morning I pray that you would give us the courage to say yes, that that we could look at what's there, the mess that's there, and yes, we know it's big. And we know that the more we want to change, the more work we're going to have to do but God, we want to say yes to you this morning because we know that you're going to meet us here. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to invite you to come forward this morning if you've got a decision to make, whether that's to receive Christ for the first time. Maybe your life's gotten off track. It's gotten a little sideways, and you're saying, I really want God to do something in my life that's new and different. We want to invite you to come forward this morning. love to pray with you, talk with you about some steps you could take in that. I just want to say this, you know, I think so often in the church, and if you're a new believer or you're thinking about Christianity, it's, I think so often we say, you know, if you accept Jesus Christ, it's like God's going to do the work. Yeah, he's going to do an awful lot of that, but he's going to ask you to do some of it. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it possible because God's not going to quit on you. He wants to do that work with you. So if you want to partner with God this morning and you say, man, I I want to receive Jesus Christ, I want to I want to make a change in my life. We want to invite you to come forward as we sing this song. Why don't you stand?